what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and oh my god, week 13 is uh, it's in the books, but uh, there might be a new number one in the power rankings for the NFL. Um, I'm your host, Just the West, and I'm here with my co-host, T-Up. T-Up, are you there? And did you watch the Niners-Eagles game on Sunday? Oh, man, what a great freaking game, you know, during or this was probably the most hyped week. Um, nice. so, so much to get into. Yeah. I mean, it was the most hyped game. There was just so many storylines going into this game. Revenge game, I think is the first thing that comes to mind, but I think, you know, the Niners, they, they definitely showed that they belong at the top of the, the rankings in the league. So it was good. And it was good to shut up all the Eagles fans. And if, the listeners don't know in SoCal there are a ton of Eagles fans for whatever reason. Are there really? Seriously? Um, Man, I Yeah, there's a huge Eagles contingency down here. I don't know why. I think it goes back to like the um Donovan McNabb and in those days. Okay. Okay. But uh But I don't even know. To be honest, I don't even know. Most of the Eagles fans that I met here never been to Philly in their entire life. They're just you know, LA is just yeah. a melting pot of random football fans. Like my dad's grandpa's father used to be from Philly. So now I'm a Philly fan. Like, okay, what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, this was a game that was pe- pencil where I, I circled it on my calendar like a long, long time ago when this, when the schedule came out, uh, Niners at Philly. It was a game that's, you know, obviously for the NFC championship, previous season in the playoffs that was uh horrible the Niners lost seven to 31 it was a game where you know Jimmy G prior he couldn't play because he got he got hurt and then you had Brock Purdy come up and he got hurt and then Josh Johnson came in and he got hurt and then Brock Purdy couldn't throw but he came back in the game and couldn't do shit they couldn't throw a football forward it was it was bad so they lost seven to 31 and all the while, uh, we were waiting for this game um, just to see. And not 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 to say this is how it's going to be moving forward or if um, the Niners have completely won the rivalry because most likely they're going to play again, whether it's going to be um, at, at Link, Lincoln Field or Levi Stadium. But uh, it was a big statement win for the Niners to prove not only to themselves, but to um, to, Eagle, to Eagles uh, players too that um, – you know, if you give us a competent quarterback that can play, that can throw the football like, you know, like a quarterback should, um, we are the better team. And, you know, obviously the NFC West, there's a ton of other games that went down, but th- that was the game that I really wanted to highlight because the Niners scored six touchdowns. They scored 42 points and they only allowed 19 points. So they won 42 to 19 and now they are on top of – um well, they've already been on top of the NFC West, so they're nine and three. But you could make a case now with the Eagles falling down to ten and two that uh, if the Eagles were to lose to the Cowboys this Sunday night football, uh, and the Niners were to win, and they, they are hosting the Seahawks this week, they would both have well, both the Niners, the Eagles, and the Cowboys in this scenario. They would all be tied at 10 and two. And then the Niners would have the tiebreaker since the Niners have beaten the Eagles and the Cowboys in, in their respective matchups. Um, yeah, just a lot to take in. Uh, another thing to recap as well is um, the Rams are on a three game winning streak. Holy shit. The Rams are on a three game win streak. 
they beat the the, the Browns at home, uh, a Joe Flacco Browns team. Not too uh, not too shabby. Uh, it was a game where they won thirty six to nineteen. Can get back into detail about that. Um, Seahawks Thursday night football. They um, well, the good news is their their offense is back. DK Metcalf had three touchdowns. They scored thirty five points, but the bad news is their defense. Um, I don't know what the fuck happened, but they allowed forty one points. So whenever you allow forty one, I think this is the first time in a while um, a, a team scores five touchdowns but they lose. So they drop to six and six. And so the Rams right now, technically they're second place. The Seahawks are third place at six and six. And then the Cardinals, they're um uh I didn't expect this to happen, but Kenny Pickett got hurt in the first half. And then the um the Steelers, they couldn't do much on the offense. Uh they lost um 10 to 24. So the Cardinals, uh, this was a James Conner game where he came back uh against his former team. He's fr- he's from Pittsburgh. He had two tugs. 100 yards rushing and uh, the Cardinals rolled 24 to 10. So, I mean, uh, tee up, uh, having said that, that's a, that's a lot of stuff to t- take care of the week 13 recap. But um, I mean, overall, like, you know, what, what are your thoughts about this week? Yeah, this week was definitely jam packed for jam packed of action for the NFC West, you know, kind of all around there's, um, you know, the, the NFC West are just kind of making moves right now. Other than Seattle, that is kind of in a in a little rut right now, and they may be in a rut for a while because they do have a, a hard uh, remaining schedule coming up. They got the Niners next week, and I forgot who they got after that. Um, but yeah, definitely the, the Rams are. They have something rolling over there, and it seems like Matt Stafford has um, is kind of back on track, and you know th- that team is starting to put um, points on the board, which I think they were kind of struggling with early in the season. Um, and Arizona, I don't know if there's really much to, to, to unwrap with Arizona other than that's just one of those classic trap games for, um, for the home team, you know, they, they came back and, um, like you said, uh, Connor came back to his uh, original team and kind of just destroyed them, dismantled them. And Pittsburgh has been having some issues with, you know, their quarterback picket and, um, you know, I don't know if you saw those reports about uh, Deontay Johnson, like the lack of effort he's been exhibiting in the past few weeks and kind of, I don't know, there's, something's going on in, in Pittsburgh. Have, well, you, have you seen any of that before? Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just stay on this Pittsburgh Cardinals game and, and narrate from game to game after that. But um, this was a game, like I did the pod before, I was like, 95% confident that the Steelers would kill the Cardinals because for one, they're at Pittsburgh, which is no easy feat for a Cardinals team. That's not good. Um, but this Cardinals team got completely manhandled by the Rams the, the week before. And the Steelers team just put up like 400 yards of offense. Um, and I was like, Oh shit, the, the Steelers are hitting at the right time, but you know, it, pick it. He's got a high ankle sprain. I think he's going to be out the next several weeks, which is a big blow to the Steelers team. And then um, Deontay Johnson, I don't know what is going on with him, but the week before, I, I guess there was a fumble and he he didn't, he saw the fumble. He, he didn't try to tackle the guy and like a lack of efforts. Um, just a lot of weird things that are going on in, in Pittsburgh, just because um, efforts or 
but they were playing so well last week. And then this one, I know Pickett got hurt, but they completely laid an egg. Um, I, I think the kicker missed a field goal for the Steelers. I think um, what Pickett had, had a, a fumble in, in, the, in the red zone. Mitch Trubisky uh, had a bad snap and he fumbled it to start the second half. I mean, it always goes back to the turnovers, but this was a, a very unsealer like they're they're a well coached team for the most part with Mike Tomlin, and this was something that was um, far and far away from what you usually um, see for, for for Steeler football. Yeah, for sure, definitely uncharacteristic. Um, but hey, give credit where it's due. You know, ever since Kyler Murray has come back, I think he has been he injected some sort of. Uh, uplift to the team, whether they've been losing in the last couple games, but I guess he's been, he's been performing up to, um, I would say expectations, not the greatest, but also, you know, enough to give variation to that offense, at least, you know, opposed to who was their previous quarterback uh, before yeah. that tune or whatnot. So Dobbs, um, yeah, they traded Dobbs before the deadline. And when Dobbs, of course. Yeah. Right. Let, let me and ask definitely, you, you know, Kyler Murray is fighting for a contract or not a contract because he just got paid, but fighting to justify his, his position on this team. I don't know. Cause I, I, I recall a few weeks ago, we were talking about whether Kyler Murray is even going to come back next year. Arizona could look to trade him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, let me ask you this too. Okay. So, uh, as a Cardinal fan or as a GM or whatever, this is good and bad for them because now they're a three and 10. They're a bad team, but they're not a bad, bad team because with this victory over the Steelers with a three and 10 record, uh, they had the number two pick prior to this week. And now the Patriots, since the Patriots are not playing well, uh, as we all know, the Patriots now have the number two pick. So for the Cardinals, uh, I don't know if does this, this is a, this is a question or a tale as old as time, but all right, if you're a Cardinals fan and you're playing well and you only have like a handful of games left in the season, um, are you rooting for them to win or, you know, for draft picks or for higher draft pick or, you know, like how do you feel? Yeah, about that's, <laughs> that's an interesting conversation, right? Cause um, it's tanking, right? I think if you ask a fan base, of course the fan base would you know, at that position, three and 10, they want to get the best position as possible, but kind of on the reverse side of that argument is, you know, the players who are actually on the field, you know, many of them are playing incentive-based contracts. You know, they have to hit certain milestones in their statistics and, you know, and they're just true competitors. And do you really want to lose? Do you want to be known as that losing team? Um, if you're out on the field and both of us, we play team sports before, yeah. right? And even if we, if we have one win or 10 wins, right, we're going to keep fighting till the end. We don't want to be known as that, you know, as losers. Right. So I guess there's just two sides of the coin on that one. Yeah. And the reason why I, I prompt this up is because um, for the athletic, I was reading an article. It's the power rankings. Uh, you had the Niners at number one, but for the sake of that article, they um, did a little, um, a little curveball. So for each team, they the week before they said the best case scenario for for each team uh, with their respective rankings. They said for this week, let's do worst case scenario. And so they put the Cardinals in like the mid t- mid lower tier of the power rankings. But they said for the worst case scenario for them, 
to end the season uh, would be winning, which is something you don't hear, but I understand where they're coming from because if they continue to win, they would fall off from top three to top five, maybe be uh, right there at top 10. Um, but, you know, going back to your point, if you're a player or a coach, you don't really give a fuck, right? Yeah. And also, you know, with football, football, I kind of talked about this with someone else with pro sports, right? Yeah. Um, let's use baseball, for example. If a baseball team signs Shohei Otani, but then they, they suck before it, does signing Shohei Otani really tra- change the trajectory of the team? In my opinion, I don't think, I think no, because it's just such a, it's a team sport and there's some, there's nine players on the field. So, you know, same thing goes for football. There's 11 players on the field and there's three different teams. There's offense, defense, and special teams. So is really that draft pick, that top 10 draft pick, is it that true of a, you know, that could make such a big of an impact to a football team? Um, I don't know. That's kind of, I, I feel like lately in the NFL draft teams, have been making their money kind of in the middle rounds, the three through five. So, you know, that's where you find your gems and, you know, they save money from, you know, signing these rookies. You don't have to sign them on a first round pick um, contract. And, you know, you're kind of finding these gems kind of in the middle of the draft. That's a good point. And uh, I guess my final note about the Cardinals, like great win. Uh, you know, for me personally, like you said, we, we played a team sport. Like we want to continue to win. Um, but I think it is sensitive in the sense that let's just say that they decide to not roll with Kyler Murray moving forward, meaning Gannon and the new general manager, this new regime decide that, Hey, you know what? Thanks, but no, thanks Kyler Murray. Uh, we want our guy after season's end. At that point, now the draft pick gets a little bit more important because uh, you would have liked to have had a, I don't know, top three, a top five pick, to take a step at quarterback then, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending, you know, winning because I think as us Niner fans, we, we were in this position not too long ago too. That's right. Where we wanted to, <laughs> we wanted, you know, our football team to, to tank and get in a better draft position and, that kind of worked out for us with uh, with Bosa, right? Um, yeah, uh, I think that, was, that was the most recent one. Yeah, but the uh, I think it was the draft before that was um, it was uh, shoot, what was it? Uh, I think they the number one pick was Miles Garrett, but then they settled for Solomon Thomas. Was that at, at number three? Uh, because they want too yeah, much. Yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it goes back to that point. I mean, you get a Miles Garrett number one, or if you, you know, number three, they got, well, they got Solomon Thomas, which didn't work out for them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, I mean, I would, I would think about it this way: if they're going to, if if a team is going to tank and want to get a good position in the draft, I think historically the one draft position that you could draft high in the draft that could actually make the biggest impact for your team would probably be quarterback, right? Yeah. I think that would probably be the most logical skill position. So if they know they're getting the next Patrick Mahomes or whatever in the first top three picks, then sure, you know, he'll be on that rookie contract and then you could, you could spend a lot more 
on other skill players. I think there's another football team that's actually benefiting from something like that. But yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. What do we know? Okay, okay. Uh, oh shit! You know what? There's a game before that too. Fucking uh, Thursday night football. Jesus, I, my apologies. Yep. Okay. Uh, Seahawks Cowboys game. So this was. For all intents and purposes, Thursday night football has been horrible. Like all, all these games of Thursday night football, uh, mm-hmm. outside of you know my own bias of the Niners um, CX game on Thanksgiving, this game was just just as good as, as that game because this was a game where between the Seahawks and Cowboys, tee up. I know you're a Niner fan and you don't hate or you don't you're not really rooting for either team, but um, did he enjoy this Cowboys win over the Seahawks, forty one to thirty five? Like I mentioned before, um, Geno Smith, this this offense was uh, – they were not doing well the last couple of weeks. And they finally found their, their juju. Geno Smith ran for one touchdown. Zach Charbonnet had a rushing touchdown. DK Metcalf finally woke up. He had three amazing touchdowns. Uh, the first one, dimer, just a dimer to, um, to Metcalf from Geno Smith. That was an all-hands catch where he um, – he broke it down the middle, caught it, really tough catch, and he broke it down for the score. But, you know, this defense allowed 41 points. 41 points, and they lose despite scoring five touchdowns. I mean, um, Tia, what, what do you think about this Thursday night football game? Yeah, you know, I was actually pretty surprised to see this matchup on a Thursday night, which is quite the surprise, and it's quite the treat. I actually, excuse me, I actually enjoyed that, um, that matchup. Um, as far as who I was rooting for, that was a tough one because obviously you don't want to root for, yeah, you don't want any team to win, but you know, the pieces fell where they, where they, uh, where they were supposed to. And I think it was a great game. There was a lot of offense. It was, it wasn't one of those boring, like 13 to eight type of Thursday night football matches that we occasionally see. Um, and I thought Gino, you know, Gino, he looked good. I think they score first, right, in the game. If I, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that was the one. Um, that, um, the one I was alluding to by Metcalf. It was a 73-yard score. It was a catch and run. Yeah, that was that was nice. You know, when they scored, I was like, okay, okay. Kind of set the tone. Like, okay, I think, you know, I wouldn't be mad if Dallas lost at home to Seattle. Um, but, you know, Dallas, give credit to Dallas. They are definitely um, – uh, performing at such a high market, especially Dak, ever since they lost to the um, to the Niners, they've Dak has been playing well. Yeah, they're they're playing well. They're they're definitely playing well. But um, yeah, I think I saw some weird stat on Twitter that in the last three games or something, the Seahawks have given up like 750 yards or something. Oh my god! Of offense. Well, I mean, Prescott I, was uh, yeah. let's see, 29 for 41. 300 yards, three three passing touchdowns. Um, yeah, man. I mean, C.D. Lamb, 12 catches, yeah. and a touchdown. Actually, Jake Ferguson, their tight end, uh, he was pretty – he was talking a lot of trash, actually, to Jamal Adams, but rightfully so. He had six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks, four catches, 45. Yeah, man, this uh, this Cowboys team, they are they were doing work for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The Seattle defense is is looking real porous lately. Um, they're poor tackling the coverage. They get I noticed they get called for PI pretty frequently. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, especially Tariq Woolen. He just gets he gets destroyed on the corner, and they always leave him on man coverage, which I understand. He, I think he's the best defender on um, that Seattle has to guard. So he's always guarding the number one, but he just gets eaten up in in coverage, and you know, I just not his quarterbacks. They just constantly go at him. Friendly reminder, uh, against the Niners, they actually benched Woolen because of said tackling issues. They said, you know, uh, we're going to go with Michael Jackson instead. He only got benched for, for right. that game, but he came back and, yeah, it's still an issue. They they want to play man. They want to be aggressive, but at the same time, too, you can't be overly aggressive to draw these, um, these terrible uh, game drive extending PI calls, and that's exactly what happened again. Yeah. And Jamal Adams, he just ever since he came back from injury, he just hasn't looked the same. You know, it's like he's been you know, good, Seattle, but he's not the Jamal Adams that you traded two first round picks for, right? Right. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Maybe you know the effects of you know age catching up to Seattle. I don't know the average age of their defense or the team in general, but it just looks like they don't have that. Uh, you know, they don't have the same mojo that they had before which i ain't mad at but <laughs> but yeah it's definitely interesting to watch week by week i agree um and it's just you know what they're on a three-game losing streak right now on the other end the rams are on a three-game win streak so the seahawks have dropped three and they are six and six the rams have won three and, and, and they are six and six but it doesn't get any easier for the seahawks because this upcoming week they're playing the Niners. Are you kidding me? At Levi Stadium. And then the following week, uh, shout out to them because they got flexed into a primetime game, but they are playing at Philly. Um, oh, geez. Are they, are they playing? Hold on. Let me, let me double check that. That can't be. Uh, or isn't it Dallas? No, no. All right. No, no, no. They okay. Play so for Sunday night football, Dallas is hosting the Eagles for week 14. The Seahawks are playing the Niners at Levi's. And then for week 15, Monday Night Football, the Seahawks are hosting the Eagles. So potentially the Seahawks, if they lose to the Niners this week, and then they play the Eagles on Monday night, that can potentially be a five-game skid. That's That's a rough schedule. (laughs) A rough schedule, bro. Once they lost to the Rams where they um, – but the kicker missed the, the game winning field goal. Like they needed to win that game because it doesn't, this is pretty rough. This is really rough for any, for any team. So then any thoughts? Yeah, on, that's it. Go 12s. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. I mean, that's what a coincidence that Seattle gets flexed into Monday night football. Remember it gets announced. It's like, why didn't the Niners get flexed? Cause I think, are they playing, Playing Baltimore, right? They are playing. Uh, uh, same wing? No, no, no. Uh, for that week, they're pl- the Niners are playing the Cardinals. After that, oh, the Cardinals. Okay. Um, after that, I believe you are correct. That would be uh, that would be Christmas time uh, against the Ravens. So. Well, yeah, that's that's the next match at the circle. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, just a. Uh, I don't know. That that that's a big. You know how the talking heads they talk about the gauntlet of the schedule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the Seahawks are in the thick of it. It's well, the Seahawks have very getting, 
since they're six and six and the Rams are six and six, you can make a case that the Rams are going to overtake them. Um, isn't that weird? Uh, let's talk about those Rams. So the Rams are six and six. I said, I've said that time and time again, this pod, they hosted the Browns, uh, the Browns. They don't have Deshaun Watson. They don't have PJ Walker. They don't have DTR, but they have like 70 year old Joe Flacco. So he made a start for the Browns and, um, you know, the Rams, shout out to the Rams. They're getting hot at the right time because shout out to Kyron Williams, who is saving a lot of people for fantasy football and their seasons. But uh, an offense with Kyron Williams is a legit offense. Uh, Kyron Williams had 21 carries, 88 yards, a touchdown, and Puka Nakua, my God, four catches, 105 yards, and a, and a touchdown, including a 70-yard scamper um, cup. Not as, you know, the stats aren't as great. Six catches, 39 yards, but he had a touchdown. Uh, this offense is, uh, it's churning. And I, I know that the Browns aren't good, especially with their quarterback situation. But this Browns defense, I mean, they are a seller defense, but maybe not as good on the road. Um, the Rams, they, they just got it done. They just got the damn thing done. Matthew Stafford, 279 yards, three, three touchdowns passing. Um it was one of those things where the Browns are a tough defense, but, you know, on the other side of the field, when you have Joe Flacco uh, making his starts, like they were very limited. Shout out to Flacco. He had 254 yards, two passing touchdowns, but it was just, uh, it was a pretty lopsided game early on. Uh, Tia, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, the, the Rams defense, or sorry, offense is definitely turning. And I think we talked about it a little bit before, uh, kind of at the beginning of the pause, but yeah, their their play calling McVeigh he's in his bag and Stafford is he's just dealing at you know three touchdowns and what almost three hundred yards and I think it's it, it can be emphasized more like the find of Puka Nakua and what, what was he drafted in the seventh round too right fifth round, fifth round pick from BYU that's right yeah that's crazy um, especially BYU you know not really known for wide receivers. Um, he but has yeah, the potential he's, to to break uh, the the rookie wide receiver record right now at, at this pace. He's 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 looking yeah. pretty good. He's fantastic. Uh, I'm a fan, I, I would say, and so yeah, just um, you know, obviously there's the Rams are on a three game winning streak, and we'll see if they could carry this on. But who, who's in their upcoming schedule? Uh, well, okay, we talked about the Seahawks, which wasn't so hunky dory. But the Rams, let's let me double check with these guys. Where are the Rams schedule? Uh, the Rams. Well, shit. Uh, it's not as bad as the Seahawks. Okay, so this upcoming week, they're they're going to Baltimore, so they're playing the Ravens. Uh, eek. But after that, it's it's uh, they have a two game homestand. They're playing the Commanders, uh, and then the following week, they're they're playing the Saints. So it's not as bad as the Seahawks gauntlet of, of shit. Yeah. You know, okay. You have to play the Ravens this upcoming week. Right. And they're six and six right now. Yeah. Uh, I think they yeah. have, after that, they have two winnable games against the Commanders and the Saints. Um, yeah, they're, they're definitely in the, um, uh, what's it called? In the hunt, I think. The, if you look at the NFC playoff picture, there's a lot of teams. There's what? Two or three teams that are six and six right now that are in the hunt. It's a it's a clusterfuck of stuff because the Saints, the Falcons, like they're in the mix. Um, 
shoot uh just let, let me let me go to this really quick Stand the rams wild card the packers are in it the pack or so the packers are six and six the vikings are six and six um rams seahawks yeah they're they're all right there uh you can even make a case for the bucks but not really they're five and seven the saints are five and seven yeah man it's um uh, you can go either way like the last four or five games of the season you could stack one way or the other going to be a, a photo finish a photo finish for sure photo finish any other thoughts about this Rams <laughs> team uh shout out to the Rams the Ramley they're they're rolling right now yeah who's house good shit <laughs> all right last but not least uh we were really excited earlier on on the intro of the pod but let's uh let's talk a little bit more I I I got some time so this Niners team see after all all this time, like they've had Brock Purdy, UCL injury, came back. Debo has been talking shit. Um, Trent, they've all been just kind of licking the chops saying like, hey, if, if given another opportunity, we are the better team. And it's interesting to know too, even pregame, like from CMC to Trent Williams, Debo Samuel to Brandon Ayuk, they all wore black, all black attire um, for a quote-unquote funeral because they they were gonna kill the Eagles, which is interesting. Um, but you know what? For all the shit talking that was done by the Niners, they backed it up. They backed it up at Philly, and this was a game where early on the Niners had two three and outs. They didn't run. They didn't give the ball once to CMC. And I know you and myself, we weren't too happy early on two three and outs, and uh, the Eagles had two red zone trips, but. Uh, you know what? This Niners defense stepped it up. Shout out to Javarius Ward because on both occasions on red zone opportunities, uh, he had great pass defense uh, against their best receiver in A.G. Brown. And it resulted in only two field goals. So they were down 0-6. And what I did not see coming would be six consecutive touchdown drives by the Niners. And so fast forward, they won 42-19 to and this game was uh you started out zero to six and then you end the game forty two to nineteen. This was a blowout. I mean, just holy shit, what a statement game by the Niners. Uh tee up uh, far away. I mean, where do you want to where to begin? Oh man, I mean there's so much to unwrap with this one, but I guess Debo Samuel, let's we'll start with him. He he definitely was talking a lot of shit. He was on many different television shows saying that, you know, if we had a quarterback who had had a chance, we would have blew him out. Um, he called Bradbury trash, um, this and that, a lot of back and forth with the Eagles fans. And, and he, he stood on his words and I fucking loved every single minute of it. Every single touchdown, uh, reception, handoff, whatever was drawn up for him. It was just, um, it was just fantastic watching him. Yeah, and um, you know he's probably like the most explosive Niners player that we've seen in a very long time. Is and this, he's not going to be consistent every week, right? Like we're not going to see the same three touchdowns every single week. But when he goes off, he goes off. That's the interesting thing uh, about this team um, because some, some, you know, every week is different, every matchup is different, and so you know you have. George Kittle earlier in the season, he had three touchdowns against the Cowboys. 
you have the Ayuk game. Uh, you know, he went off against the Jaguars, including that 70-yard touchdown uh, catch and run. And then for Debo, uh, he was talking the most shits, and he had the he got way more targets than the rest of his his teammates. But oh my god, this was a career game. He had never had a three touchdown game. He ran for one. He caught two, and both of both those receiving touchdowns were catch and runs where um, it was all Debo that, that made the play for his second touchdown. I just, uh, it was such an important touchdown too, because the Niners, they were up 21, 13. The Eagles had just scored on the tush push by Jalen hurts. And so they were only a score behind and so for the Niners to score right after and to have Debo catch it down the middle uh, completely force Morrow, who's the linebacker for the Eagles, to whiff, and then just to sprint down another 30 yards for, for the touchdown. That was uh, that pretty much broke the game wide open. That was the play of the game that, that really um, set the tone for me, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, geez, that was just... Which, which touchdown of his surprised you the most? Uh, that was... That one surprised me the most because here's the thing. All right, so that was a... You know, down the middle throw where, you know, they had the first down. And then, you know, Nick Morrow, the linebacker for the Eagles, I thought he was going to make that uh, that tackle. But Debo, he shed him off because, you know what, he's got to build like a running back. He's thick. He's a thick boy. He shedded it off the tackle. I said, okay, maybe he'll run a little bit more. And then eventually he'll get tackled. They'll get the first down. But what makes Debo so fucking unique is, like, he's, he's like a running back and he can – he can force tackles. He can break tackles and whatnot. But he put the Jets on like a pure wide receiver. From there, he outran the safety, the cornerback at the second level. And then he was in the end zone. Uh, you saw both the element of the physicality of Debo to break the first tackle. And then you saw his speed once he got to the second level. And they said he he ran about 20 miles per hour at his top flight speed to the end zone, um, which is just crazy because to see all that for a wide receiver is just um, Debo is one of one. Yeah, that you know, I'm just visualizing that touchdown in my head. It's just he just fucking took off. I don't even know. Like he just turned on the Jets, and no one could fucking catch him. And Darius Slay was just just on his heels and couldn't catch him. For me, I would say my most surprising. I wouldn't say surprising, but the most fun to watch was the tunnel screen, his very last touchdown. That was um, good. That was a team touchdown, too. Shout out to the offensive line. That was that was beautiful. If you watch that replay, it's almost like it was it was a work of art because you just see the, the offensive line come off of the line of scrimmage and just form, you know, they come off laterally, hit those blocks, and the way that they formed that, it almost looked like a, another offensive line that they formed and just Debo just running across it. It was just, it was just a masterpiece and he just broke off that tackle that, uh, touchdown pretty much untouched. Yeah. No, and shout out to Christian McCaffrey on the other end. So, you know, selling that, um, you know, that screen pass selling it hard where it made, I want to say it was Jordan Ellis bite on it, mm-hmm. which gave him, Give Debo enough time to, you know, kind of open up that middle part of the field. That was fantastic. 
yeah, no, it was it was a game, and just consider the context. Uh, I mean, shout out to the Rams Browns game, but there were the one o'clock ga- game set. They only had three games right there. It was the Browns Rams game. It was the Niners Eagles game, and I think there was one more that I'm trying to blank on right now. It was probably an AFC West game or an AFC game. Um, everyone was watching this game, like everyone, the whole yeah. The whole league was watching. All everyone wanted to see uh, just how good or how bad th- this rematch of the Eagles and Niners would be, and they just um, it was a it was a no contest. I, I predicted twenty seven twenty four, give and take a, a field goal to win. But um, I don't want to say it, it's excuses, but I know that the Eagles and their defense they they've been grinding it out the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the the Eagles had ninety two snaps on the defense last week against the Bills. Um, let me ask you this. I mean, is that something to note for the Niners win where you want to say it's because the Eagles retired or is there something more to it? I mean, you know, you're having some hot takes right now saying that well, one came from Stephen A. Smith earlier today on first, first take saying that, Hey, he's an Eagles fan, but he's his proposition now is because the Niners had single-handedly just smacked the shit out of the Eagles you can make a case that the Eagles victory last year is illegitimized because of what you saw on Sunday because they got their asses handed so bad where if the Niners had a legitimate quarterback under center in the NFC championship um, they would have won yeah it's tough to say. I don't like playing hypotheticals. I don't. I don't. I don't play that game. Sure. So, you know, the it is what it is. They won last year. You know, you play with. You know, a guy goes down. It's next man up. It's just that's just kind of the reality of football. It's it's that next man up. It's a game of attrition. So they did win, and you know, they did lose in the in the Super Bowl. So I really don't give a shit <laughs> what yeah. Eagles fans think. So, um, same outcome as the Niners. I would say it's pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Niners team when they're healthy, I think it's been said over and over again is they're definitely the scariest team in the NFL, and and it showed, you know. And I think another part that um, kind of interesting point that I learned from you know the post game was um, the defense, the defensive line, and their what their actual task was. I mean, it was both, I guess, on a, on a post game. He said that, you know, their game plan wasn't to, to get, you know, the most record-breaking amount of sacks during Jalen Hurts. It was, in fact, just to apply pressure and keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket and keeping their assignments. And me hearing that is just all like, yo, you know, you have all these stars and everyone's getting paid multi-million dollars. But for them to understand, like, hey, this is the unselfish part of the game where – we're going to listen to the plan, stick to the plan, and you guys are going to come out with a win. And for those guys to follow that assignment and to and to come out victorious as they did and hold Jalen Hurts down to only, what, 19 points? Man, that's such a great win. And I, I texted you, too. I think uh, kind of the unsung hero of, of uh, last Sunday was, was Wilkes. He called a fantastic game. Now, Jalen Hurts did have a ton of time in the pocket and he was holding holding the ball for quite a long time. But, you know, obviously if he found an open receiver, he would have thrown it. But I didn't watch the All-22, but it looked like 
you know, the Niners definitely did their thing in secondary to, um, to mitigate those passes. That, that was so trippy because I think the first sack, which was by Kinlaw, by the way, Javon Kinlaw had two sacks. Um, Hertz always he slipped on anyway. that one. Yeah, he slipped on it, but so, but know, it, it's slipped. a sack. He slipped, but he had like eight seconds in the pocket. Like the line, this offensive line by the Eagles, they they are a good group. Like they are a top five unit. But Hertz looked down the field for a good eight seconds. He couldn't find anyone, and then he stumbled, and then Javal Kinlaw sacked him. But like. I rarely see that. It was like he had all this time, but he, he couldn't find anyone. And I don't know, going back to your point about the, the all pro um, 22 film, but like what did Wilkes do on the, on the back end? Holy shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, that takes a long time. And they say, you know, um, DBs when daily could cover for what, five seconds, eight seconds after that, it's pretty much, you know, there's going to be a wide receiver that's going to get open, but I don't know, whatever, whatever the secondary is doing and it, it's working. And I think another big thing too is, you know, sliding Devo into the dime and Ambry Thomas playing fucking lights out lately. That has been a big revelation to the defense as well. So, you know, post by, uh, obviously after they lost to the Bengals, the biggest adjustment they made was Ambry Thomas is outside and he's actually per pro football focus. He's like, a top 10 cornerback post by like he's been doing his thing and <laughs> crazy. I can't believe it. Uh, Shaveris award for all the shit he's taken throughout the season, especially that Vikings game on Monday night football, where he essentially gave up a touchdown, which should have been a pick before halftime. But since then also uh, he leads the league in all, um, all cornerbacks, all secondary uh, for that matter in pass deflections. I think he has 15, 16, I think the person second place has 12, 13. So like uh, he is legitimately manning up against the, the opposition's top receiver, whether it's DK Madcalf or AG Brown, the big physical receivers. And he is, he's right there with them stride for stride. And the most important thing, which I saw in this game was uh, whether it's Emory Thomas or Traveris Ward, but they are not drawing PI calls. They are turning their head they're turning their shoulders and they are making a play on the ball. Yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic to watch. And every time they throw to they throw to twenties direction, I'm not going to lie, I hold my breath. Yeah, but you know he makes he makes the plays, and it's fucking great to watch. I love it. Right. So I mean, you know, the season isn't over. You can't anoint the Niners. So much football left. There's so much. And we all know this. It's the ebbs and flows of the season, but you want to at least be playing your best football in December and hopefully up into January. Um, So it's a good sign for the Niners. It's a good sign for the Rams. Seahawks, they got to get their shit together. The Cardinals, I don't know what they want to do, whether they want to win or lose. But um, I guess just moving forward to you, there's about, what, three, four more games left in the season. Um, How do you feel about, I don't know, the, the prospect of, are, are the Niners – well, I know we're talking a lot of Niners, but are the Niners the best team in the NFL right now, period? Yeah, I would say, yeah, period, for sure. And, you know, they could they could uh, obtain that number one seed after this week, I believe. If the Niners win and Dallas wins, then that would put the Niners at number one, right? Yep. 
both the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Eagles would have a 10-3 record in, in that scenario. Or, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, they would. That's right. So. Yep. Because <sighs> then if there's, there's a tiebreaker, it goes to division. Uh, division record. Division record. And, and the Niners have that, too. And then they, they also have the individual matchup because they, they beat both the Cowboys and the Eagles, too. So it would right. be... They would be clear for the number one seed, but mind you, you know the the Niners they don't have an easy schedule as well. So they play the Seahawks this week, and then after that they play the Cardinals, uh, and then they have the Ravens on Christmas, which should be really interesting too. Because as much as we like to hype up the Niners, the Eagles uh, in the AFC, the Ravens uh, they are the top defense right now. Shout out to Roquan Smith, shout out to Lamar Jackson, but you know they are a tough tough team so i i'm really intrigued to see how this night is offense and this rushing attack debo cmc whatever but how are they going to respond to a stellar front seven in this ravens defense yep for sure who who's after baltimore mm, let me let me get to it uh is it la la is the last game that's week 18 let me see no, I think they play. Okay, here, here's the way we go. Okay, so uh, this upcoming week, they're hosting the Seahawks. Then they go on the road to play the Cardinals. Then they host the Ravens on Christmas. And then they have, okay, then they have the Commanders on the road. And then the season finale is at home against the Rams. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, that Rams game, it, depending on how the Niners are, if, for the Rams, uh, it could be consequential for the Rams. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm saying. So, like, if the Niners lock up the number one seed, by theory, they would play their, you know, their B squad and let the Rams win. But if they still are fighting for the number one seed, the Rams gonna, are going to have a really tough challenge. Like, regardless, they're going to have a tough challenge. But if the Rams are, are in the thick for the for the wild card, and they have to play the Niners to win a playoff berth. That would be very, I won't say poetic or ironic, but the Niners had to do that a couple of years back to make the playoffs, and they had to beat the Rams at LA. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you do. So, uh, very fitting for the Rams. We'll, we'll see what the context happens come this season, but uh, it could potentially be a very spicy matchup for the Rams because if they need to win that game against the Niners to make the playoffs, just how fitting, because that game is going to be at Levi's, not so far this time around. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, um, T up any other thoughts? I mean, um, yeah, man. I mean, hopefully your Thanksgiving was well. And, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I was sick like the previous week because everyone gets sick around this time of the year. You've been good? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's good. You know, I'm glad that to hear that you're doing better and I hope everyone else stays safe during this holiday season because you know there's there's a potluck going around and I'm not talking about food <laughs> yeah. uh, all right man well hey um I am good to go to you up so if if you're good I'm good to our loyal listeners thank you for checking out the pod whether it's on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon or Google or wherever you get your pods 
Instagram at just the West, Twitter at which I keep saying Twitter X at just the West. And of course the blog, www.justthewest.com. Till next time we out here. Peace. Peace.